you are about to see the first public exhibition of an entirely new form of entertainment. You are about to see. You are about to see. That belongs in a museum. You are about to see the first public exhibition of an entirely new form of entertainment. That belongs in a museum. Welcome to another exciting episode of Treasury Cast, the show that celebrates the greatest comics format of all time, the Treasury Edition. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. And joining me this month are returning guests, Greg Arujo. Hi, Greg. Hey, Rob. How's it going? I'm doing great. And Sean Ross. Hi, Sean. Hey, thanks for having us. What, 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 wait, 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 wait. You didn't tell me he was going to be on the show. <laughs> I had a, I distinctly said, I only record with him like once a month. It's in my writer. It's in my writer. No brown M&Ms, no Gregor Rougeau. You guys can (laughs) skip doing that at your episode for this month. And then it's it's all good. What's the problem, Greg? Come on. Hey, you're right. I hadn't thought of it that way. I just gave you guys the month off. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) No editing. Woo! Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's the best part. Uh, no, in, in podcaster terms, this is known as the devil's three-way, where we are going to be having (laughs) two guests to talk about. Uh, we're not talking about a treasury this time. Uh, we are going to be talking about something that I've been wanting to get to on this show since I started it 17 years ago, which are Marvel treasury ads. Well, treasury ads in general, but specifically, we're going to be talking about Marvel treasury ads. So we're not going to be talking about a book. We are going to be going through a list of some of our favorite, maybe not so favorite, Marvel <laughs> treasury ads. And by the way, you'll be able to see every one of the ads that Greg, Sean, and I are going to be talking about. Over on our website, firewaterpodcast.com. Just check the uh, gallery post, and we're going to see, you're going to see all the ads we're going to talk about in the order we're going to be talking about them. Now, of course, why are we talking about treasury ads? Why? Why are we doing this? Well, for people of a certain vintage, let's say, (laughs) comic books, pre-comic book specialty stores, you didn't always find every book that was on sale. It would all depend on what your local news vendor carried. Now, guys, you have both been on the show before, mm-hmm. separ- separately, uh, with good reason uh, already. <laughs> I can already tell this is, this is a horrible idea. Um, but I want to ask each one of you, did you guys see a lot of treasuries on sale in your local neighborhood when you were growing up? So, Greg, let me start with you. Did, were they, did you see them a lot? Did they appear occasionally? How, how available were they? I'm going to say not very. I remember distinctly one place. It was at probably... A 7-Eleven, which is now a bait store. Uh, oh. but, <laughs> but in the magazine rack, there was an Avengers Treasury Edition, which I could not convince my mother to purchase. Uh, <laughs> but I did get three comics out of that, that trip, too. So I, I, I think it was pretty much a fair trade. But my parents would pick up treasuries. They would see them. But I, I don't know if I ever really, other than that one time, saw them out in the wild. What about you, Sean? I don't think I have 
quite as interesting a story as Greg. You know, his first comic was a Lascaux cave painting. Uh, he's a little bit older than me, but uh, but I did I did not see them actually out in the wild. Um, I did get they were actually kind of garage sale buys for me or yard sale buys for me. And you know, the first one I remember getting was the Fantastic Four one, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. It was a it was a shut up and let us drive car trip comic. <laughs> you know, where it was stuck in my hand. I, I was in the back back seat. It's talk about things key people don't remember. Remember the cars we used to have where there was just an open space in the back and a kid would just roll around back there because there was no seatbelt or, you know, no, the, your airbag was your older sister who was in front of you in the bench seat. And so, um, this yeah. This part so of the car one... is for storage or additional children. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, so I had a, a Fantastic Four treasury, but no, I never saw them out in the wild. It wasn't until I encountered comic book stores that I really started finding them. There you go. See, now that's – and I you know, I remember getting comics in the 70s, uh, in the Paleozoic <laughs> era, where everything everything was sepia-toned, kids. You didn't know it back then. But everything – we didn't know it. We just thought that's what the world looked like. But it turns out everything was in browns. But, of course, <laughs> all of the comic books, especially DC and Marvel, would heavily promote their treasuries. And mm-hmm. I only saw them occasionally, like you, Greg. But there was basically like one store that would carry them. So I would like kind of beg my parents to take me to that store more than riding my bike to a Seven Eleven, and you know, they were like gold, you know. And so seeing all these ads and like Marvel and DC back then really put a lot of effort. They were still, I should say, they were still putting a lot of effort into these ads. I mean, mm-hmm. these were things of beauty. As a graphic designer, as someone that did that for a living, I appreciate the balance of topography and images and color and trying to make something as exciting as possible to get kids to send in, you know, their dollar fifty order. And then again, that was something else that was unique. These treasuries uh, through Marvel and DC could often be bought through the company directly. Mm-hmm. And that was something that you couldn't get with regular comics. You would always read those letters pages where kids would write in and say, where can I find a back issue of Jim Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen? And they would be like, uh, we don't know. We don't carry back issues. Maybe a friend. Like they would just be like, we have no idea. Kid, leave me alone. But these obviously were special that they were, they were so special that you could cut a coupon out of your comic. Great idea, everybody. And, and send it in and get these in the mail. Now I never did any of that. My parents didn't allow that despite my Richie Rich status. They didn't give me that money, but nevertheless, it, that it made these treasuries that much more special because you realize, wow. Marvel and DC didn't like necessarily put together a whole ad to promote Aquaman number 63, but man, they sure did to promote Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Oh yeah. That made it a big deal. Oh, those ads, they, they, they were, they were so tempting. They made you just drool all over the comics. And then the, and then on top of it all, you know, cutting out the, the coupon, you get a better return on investment on that, you know, sending that in as opposed to cutting out the Marvel uh, Treasury Super Stamps or whatever they were called. <laughs> it still hurts to this day when you get a back issue and that's missing. It still hurts. Yes. Somebody, some dumb kid cut out the Red Skull stamp. What's he going to exactly. do with that? Yeah, exactly. Oh I actually wrote into DC Comics trying to buy back issues, and Bob Rosakis wrote me back and asked for my name and address, five bucks, and a picture of my mom. It was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> the answer man. <laughs> well, he gave me an answer. He did. <laughs> kind of curious about the five bucks part, but okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm friends with Bob on Facebook. I'll ask him about that. So, so anyway, we, I, I just thought it would be really fun to take a, a quick – trip through some of uh, the the good and not so good Marvel treasury ads. We're of course not going to be covering every single ad that Marvel ever did, but I, we're going to go through a a nice uh, cross section of them. And who knows if this episode 
is uh, particularly well received. We maybe even do a, a DC one. Because uh, I said the DC ads were just as much fun, too. So we're going to talk about these Marvel Treasury ads. And you said you're going to be able to find them all on the gallery page on over on our website, findwaterpodcast.com. So let's just get started, guys. Uh, the first ad that we have here is kind of um, – I'm starting on a, in a low gear, certainly, with this ad. <laughs> not because the, the material is, is not good, Shogun Warriors and Micronauts. But uh, at the bottom here, you see there's, you know, the stock art from those two comics that they were Marvel was just starting at the time. And then at the bottom, it's like, oh, there's also the Marvel Super Special of Galactica. I love that. Not even Battlestar Galactica, (laughs) just Galactica. Now, clearly, Marvel was sort of saying, all right, these are all our licensed properties. So let's just shove them all in one ad. So you've got really Battlestar Galactica is totally bringing up the rear here. Uh, nevertheless, what do we think of this as an ad? So, Greg, I mean, would this get you to buy any of these books? Well, maybe. But the thing of it is, is what my first question when I see this is, what was the overrun on the Battlestar Galactica Super Special that they're giving the way, giving it away as a freebie for ordering Shogun Warriors and Micronauts? Yeah. <laughs> they obviously had a lot stacked <laughs> they had up a lot. somewhere they in were, the open. They were anticipating, obviously anticipating Star Wars levels of 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 return on on the on this super special but obviously they had a ton left over i think everybody was expecting that abc was expecting that <laughs> glenn larson was expecting that and <laughs> didn't totally work out I mean, sean what do you think of this as an ad so i love i love the the copy because it says you know and now because we're foolish and big-hearted the niftiest cuddliest offer this side of an invite to dr doom's surprise birthday party <laughs> and i'm like man cocaine was a hell of a drug like, <laughs> the 70s i just you know it just this smells like a mutton chop like it just smells like 70s and i love it i love the the tongue and cheekiness of it i think it's really <laughs> cool and then the the images are great i mean look Baron Vader, you know, slash Baron Karza, that that is definitely, you know, they're obviously playing on a Star Wars trope with their Micronauts, which I think is really cool. And then Shogun Warriors, anytime you have a giant robot whose fist fires off, like you're just, you know, line people up to take your money. Like it's just, it's perfect. So I really like the the top half of the ad. I mean, by today's standards, it's probably a little bit busy, but it has personality. It really jumps out at you. And then the the tacking on of the Battlestar Galactica felt a little sad. I mean, it, it definitely, you know, uh, that, that wasn't the nicest way to go. Please, but, please take our, our leftovers, yeah. our remainder stock. I do have to say, though, Rob, I have to thank you because I had read Micronauts, but it's one of those things where there's words in that book that you never hear aloud. And on one episode, you and Shag were talking about a, um, Acroyer, I guess is how you pronounce his name. I always but said I, a Croyer. That's so, okay, so I, said I always said a Croyer too because I would say it like a Treyu. Like I'd be like a Croyu, a Croyer, you know, like, I, like I, I can't say it any other way. And then apparently it's Acroyer, which I think is really interesting. But either way, the guy has an antenna for a head, so he's awesome. <laughs> um, and I, I think it does a good job. Look, it, it, it baits you into buying. It's colorful. It's bombastic. And you can hear it in Stanley's voice. So I think it's a good ad. Oh, and it's actually the covers of the first two issues, uh, the first issues of both of the series. So you know exactly what you're looking for, too. So mm-hmm. you can't fault it for that. Yeah, I will say this one thing about the Micronauts. Uh, Shag goes on and on about them because he loves them. And I, I had some of the toys and I read some of the comics. Baron Karza, we all know that he is like a complete ripoff of Darth Vader. Yeah. But when he looks, when you have a villain that looks this cool, it doesn't really matter that you know that he's been ripped off of Darth Vader. Because the design, <laughs> I had a Baron Karza metal figure and boy did i love that thing i mean it was well that's that's a, that's that's uh that's micronauts in a, a nutshell really cool yeah. designs of characters 
Yeah, I mean, that's great stuff. So, yeah, it is sort of funny. And Marvel's just sort of lumping some of their, their licensed stuff together. And, yeah, I love I love that you have to check the box. And oh, don't yeah. forget my free Marvel special edition of Galactica. <laughs> there might be some kids who are like, nah, I'm good. I'm yeah, fine. Exactly. Oh, well, at the same time, I mean, the Galactica super special was out like a month before each of these series debuted. So I guess it is conceivably possible you were you already had it in your possession, but – Probably not. You could scroll on the ad. Can I just send, get an issue of Fun and Games instead or something? I already, already <laughs> Sugar and Spike aren't available? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, all right. The next up is Captain America's Bicentennial Battle. So here we're getting a uh, a book, one book, getting its own ad on sale June 8th. It's got some nice, uh, nice big shot of uh, Captain America and, of course, drawn by Jack Kirby. It's got the logo. The greatest super saga ever told. I don't know. Is Marvel really known for hyperbole like that? I don't. It seems a little. Well, they, they're always so reserved. Yeah, that's really weird. Um, <laughs> I do want to mention, though. Uh, I have to say, we've got the uh, the the uh, coupon, and you can send this into Superhero Merchandise PO Box seven 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 Dover, New Jersey, which, of course, I spent a lot of time in. Of course, being a student of the Joe Hubert School. <laughs> did you go to Joe Hubert School? <laughs> I, I know this that. is new information for both of you. Yes. Look, I have to say, I love the this this Kirby image of Captain America is is maybe my favorite Captain America image ever. I love the you know Mad Bomb fist coming out to punch you in the face Kirby <laughs> cap. The only thing that disappointed me about this is when you buy it and open it, it's all tomahawk stories. It's just <laughs> it's, it's just a total it's a total misrepresentation. <laughs> Not far off. I mean, it is kind of a – I mean, Kirby in the 70s does get a bit of a rap, but that's my introduction to Kirby. So I always had a fondness to this era of, of Jack Kirby. It almost feels like it's downplaying the, the Jack Kirby aspect to this. I mean, you feel like the co-creator of Captain America should probably get a little bit more play in here. I'm well, still, it's an original story. I mean, come on. I'm still trying to get there with the idea of buying a Marvel comic and getting Tomahawk <laughs> stories from the fifties. That would be the greatest punking of all time. That would be so you know, good. they did it for the Superman bicentennial. Why not? Exactly. For the now, of course, now Marvel is going to reissue this in a hardcover, yes. mm-hmm. uh, which I am very excited about. Have you guys read this particular book? I've read it once. It's on my queue to reread. Okay. I have. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy it. I know it's, um, it's Kirby. Yes. You know, Kirby at his Kirbyest, but I really like it. And I love how moody cap is and, you know, he inspires the flag. There's just some fun stuff in here. Yeah, it's great. And said it's uh, it, it's cool that the book again gets its own little ad. That's fantastic. And this issue, this uh, image that you just mentioned, Sean, of uh, Captain America with the foreshortened fist, which I've always liked to point out, really hard to do foreshortening. I could never do it. Um, appeared on a lot of Marvel merchandise. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. This was this was uh, aside from John Romita, who was generally the main stock art artist over at marvel this was the other image you saw a lot on t-shirts and you know lunch boxes and stuff was this image of, of captain america so it's just it's great uh so the next one uh this is kind of a change up is that we would see that marvel sometimes would uh in the in the style of an ad place uh and would mention a treasury on a bullpen bulletins and we've got the bullpen bulletin way down at the corner um there's a blurb talking about the 2001 treasury again by jack kirby and here we see the front and back cover as drawn by jack kirby now what's interesting is first of all they present the covers uh backwards ish yeah, uh i mean it's how it would look if you held the book up as a gatefold cover because it's meant to be one image, so that's why they did it. But it just looks strange. And secondly, this is not the cover. 
that they, this is not the cover of the book. They, they must have asked Jack Kirby to completely redo it because the logo is different and all the artwork is different. So I can't imagine living in a world where you're asking Jack Kirby to redo his work, but obviously Marvel felt it was okay. So this, this, is, this is not the book that eventually would hit the stands. It's even, even still, it's even kind of weird that in 1976, Marvel felt the need to do an adaptation of 2001. Yeah. As Eight? opposed to like Logan's Run or something that's oh. more contemporary. And it would be like doing like Elysium, Marvel doing an Elysium <laughs> adaptation right now. <laughs> Which, yeah. But but then again, some of the other things that came out like 2013, you know, After Earth would be another one. It's like, oh. why, are you do, why are you doing that? But <laughs> District Eight, the series. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. I mean, look, the the ongoing that comes after it gives us, you know, Machine Man, which is pretty awesome. There you go. And I actually, this is one of the times I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of of movie, you know, uh, tie in comics. So, you know, I mean, like Batman '89 is brilliant, but for every Batman '89, there's a Superman four. You know that you know just isn't. Wow. You know, how much? Well, can okay, DC I know them. Do with that. <laughs> yeah, um, but still, you know, I think it's this is one of those rare times where I actually find the comic to be a a compendium or an addendum to the movie. Like it's so wildly Kirby esque oh. that I I feel like it it it's a it's a must read with the movie. I think it's pretty brilliant. It is like its own thing. It's amazing, <laughs> and uh, and only. Uh, I don't mean this uh, in any way to be a pejorative on the great Jack Kirby because I'm not a fool, but it was like, it takes a certain personality to look at 2001 and say, yeah, I can adapt that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can, imp- I can improve on that. I can make that I can better. improve on that. Like, you know, <laughs> how about Citizen Kane, the comic book? I mean, why not that? You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, why not that? Well, Jack Kirby looks at the Sistine Chapel and is like, that finger reaching out to God should be blockier. <laughs> <laughs> there should be crackles around it. And we should add Big Barda to that. All right. Fine, <laughs> fine Jack. So, by the way, I, I will mention this has nothing to do with treasuries. But, I mean, you think about it, This is like 1976, this, this big bullpen bullpen. And one of the items mentions home box office. I mean, oh, wow. And I'm like, <laughs> was HBO around that? And they were. They were just really hard. It mentions a boxing match. That appeared on HBO. Just seeing that name in 1976 was like, wow, they were, that was way ahead of the curve. I mean, good Lord. Well, I know they were around six years later because that would be the summer where I watched Cloak and Dagger, Gotcha, and, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Eddie and the Cruisers 50 times a day for 30 <laughs> days. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, we didn't get HBO until many years later. We had the cheap local knockoff, which was Prism, uh, which was the Philly-based one. My parents got it for sports, but it ran softcore porn movies on Friday night. So that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that adaptation, Jack Kirby? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where's Careful the Red Shoe Diaries? <laughs> the Red Shoe Diaries by Kirby would be a big seller. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So now we are going to hop across the pond to England, and we're going to have a couple of English uh, Marvel treasury ads. And I, for the life of me, I don't even remember where I got these, where I, I wondered, them, but I have them in my collection. I think, I think maybe back when I was doing my treasury comics, late, somebody sent them to me because uh, there were some people that were scouring the, uh, the, 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 the world for treasury ads. I think these were sent to me. I, I apologize. Whoever sent them to me, I don't remember, but um, they are really nice. Mar- clearly Marvel UK uh, really put a lot of effort into these ads. So the first one is for the first ever Marvel Treasury. Spectacular Spider-Man. You've got, here's what you've been waiting for. And a nice uh, portrait of, is that a, do you think that's John Romita? Is that a Romita Spider-Man? I assume uh, it is. 
It looks at him. It's pretty. Yeah, iconic. it is. Yeah, yeah it I think is? it is. Okay. All right. And so, and uh, I love it. It says, uh, and we mean giant size, 13 and a half by 10, which is how I talk, which is fantastic. And then it even shows you some like pages laid out. Well, which I look is at the gorgeous. It, it is. And at the same time, I look at that and think, wait, do the pages come out? It, is the, the loose leaf treasury? Yes, yeah, the loose leaf treasury. Is it? Are, are you showing? Are you warning me that the pages are going to fall out of this thing? The saddle stitched. Kids, don't rip apart your Marvel treasury. <laughs> no, please, not a please good don't. Idea. But I, man, it's beautiful. The bright yellow admin. It is. It's. It, it certainly catches your eye. It looks modern. I mean, it looks like yeah, it's it really got, does. Yeah, modern coloring, modern saturation. Even the reds on the cover are just you know, sort of vibrant. It really is of much higher quality than anything we saw on our side of the pond. Oh, absolutely. I think it's anything in my head canon, anything that happened with Marvel over on, in England is edited by Martin Gray. And so I just want to give Martin <laughs> a shout out. I think he did a great job editing this book. <laughs> he did do a good job. We appreciate that, Martin. I really, yeah. I think these covers from what I can, I don't, I'm just remembering these things without having a, a way to say, oh, I know where I know it from. If I recall correctly, these ran on back covers, which they is why the colors are so vibrant because they weren't dealing with newsprint. They were dealing with the higher quality cardstock. Yeah, they, they, that's kind of what I was wondering if they were on the back covers or something yeah. because of that. They look, they definitely don't look like interior ads. Yeah, man, there is great. And so you get another one which looks just as great. Again, Mar- Marvel UK loved bright yellow. Uh, you've got designed with you in mind. Thor special. <laughs> All you ever wanted to know about the mighty God of thunder. And we're afraid to ask, is there anybody afraid to ask? Or maybe you did ask and we were too busy to answer, but this time we've done it, which is Marvel UK completely aping the Stanley style. And you've got, um, I believe a Jack Kirby Thor from a, probably yeah. a very early issue of journey into mystery. And then I, you could, you know, you know that uh, they are redrawing that hand. You know, that in the foreshortened <laughs> hand, he had a millionaire, and then they just took that out and put in that he's holding the Thor comic. Again, another really sharp ad. Oh, yeah. It's really super effective. It's amazing. I mean, the, the picture of Thor, even his face, it does look like – it looks like it's from like Journey you know, yeah. into Mystery, whatever the second issue is you know, or whatever. <laughs> right. I mean, it looks like a very early Kirby drawing of Thor because he basically looks like Steve – you know, Rogers in a wig. I mean, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a very specific look, but I do like it because you're right. Mjolnir was clearly in his hand because his, his fist is like kind of closed and up towards his face. If you just Photoshop a mic in there, you can make the <laughs> final countdown by Asia and it would be perfect. It would be the perfect mix of music and image. <laughs> that might be in that, the as guardians of the galaxy movie that's coming out. I don't put it past uh, James Gunn. That's a distinct possibility, but yeah, it's another great ad and he's holding the cover and again the, the the and we mean giant size that was clearly their tagline they were very proud of that and i love a fistful of stories in one giant special rush to your new news agent for your copy it's, there's something wonderful about like the, they're really making it personal yeah like rush mm-hmm. to your news agent for your cop this is your it's yours you just don't own it yet go get it for 50 pence go the get thing it. The thing they sort of should have said is run to your newsagent, get your cigarettes and your four <laughs> giant size because that's what all these kids were doing. But it is – even the font, like the now on sale font at the bottom is is kind of extra special. Like it's it's just cool. Like everything about this ad, it, they paid attention to everything, to font, to color, to you know first per, or second person, you know, talking directly to you. I would have told you to run out and bought this. I think, I think this is a really, really well done ad. 
<laughs> really sharp. Uh, so next up, and again, again with the all yellow, by the hoary hosts of Hoggoth. You dare not miss this special. And you've got a, I think that's a Dan Adkins, uh, Dr. Sh- Marie Severin, Dan Adkins, Dr. Strange, I believe. And he is le- levitating the Dr. Strange treasury, quite possibly the most daring of Dr. Strange's <laughs> doings ever squeezed inside two full covers, 100 pages now on sale. Again, just a, a, a little busier. Certainly, with all the the little who's a whatchits that he's crawling up uh, out of the out of, there's like a fire I guess it's like fire of some sort and there's like this sort of like molten lava looking kind of thing at the bottom but it's again very eye catching at yeah and 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 the fact of that the 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 character themselves is interacting with the the treasury edition itself so yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, I think this this ad is really well done. I love the top half of it, where you know Strange is sort of coming in and you know enveloping the the actual treasury and magic. It, I just think it's a really cool, again, just an attention to detail for what at the time was a throwaway medium, right? Like these are just comics, mm. like these are things kids buy and throw away. That's to entertain kids for two seconds. And you know whoever's putting these together is clearly really pretty talented. I mean, I, I it, again, it really jumps out at me and. Uh, I, it makes me want to buy this. I mean, I, I think of seventies Doctor Strange. Like the first thing in, that pops into my head is like, "Have you ever sexualized Ben Franklin?" Because you'll love seventies <laughs> Doctor Strange. And I—that's the only thing that's missing from this cover. But I do think it's pretty amazing. And the other thing I'm loving about these ads, and we'll see it more in a little bit too, is how much love the artists are getting. That that quite often, in some cases, even more than the writers. You're getting like art by Gil Kane, art by you know Steve Ditko, art by Jolton Johnny Romita, and I love that. I love that they're they're pitching it almost artist first. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He said Marvel was. I mean, that cover by Frank Brunner. I mean, you can't oh, beat it. That's one of the oh, great that, Doctor Strange yeah. images of all time. And yeah, I mean, you know, I I did a lot of graphic design in my time. I'm old enough. Oh God, uh, <laughs> to remember doing graphic design with still pay stubs, you yep. know, and and mm-hmm. you know, the, all these guys and 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 women too. I don't mean to, to just say it was just men. Anybody in the bullpen, you know, these were done cutting things out and pasting them down, and having to kind of make design choices that you knew were going to work right because, man, once you glued stuff down, you were sort of committed to it. I mean, you could oh, lift yeah. it up again, but it was a lot more work. So, I mean, they, these are really, really nice. So, and then we have one more. Uh, this time, it's another giant 100-page spectacular with all your favorite Marvel heroes. And for some reason, that font just reads Western to me. Yeah, I was looking <laughs> at that, too. And it's like, oh, I don't... Uh, of the of, of the these UK ones, I, this one is probably my least favorite of the bunch. Yeah. Because of that I, font I, at the top. Yeah, I read it with all your favorite Marvel heroes. Which is <laughs> I mean, it's it nothing to do with anything because it's shine superhero holiday grab bag. Now, if we were talking about a two-gun kid there you go. treasury edition, no, that would be appropriate. But yeah. nothing about this screams holiday. <laughs> No, it's, it's it's an orange background, and you've got this uh, image. I believe that's a Jack Kirby. No, it's not Jack Kirby. Anybody can identify that? Is that Steranko, Captain America? It looks – it's got the Steranko weirdness, the like <laughs> – you know what I mean? Like the yeah, sort of yeah, dis- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the like fluidity. It does, it does look Steranko. It's hard to say though. Yeah. I think I think it might be, and that would have been probably around this time. And then you've got the giant size, thirteen and a half by ten, now on sale, and it's the holiday grab bag, the holiday grab bag comics. That's DC still does them. I don't know if Marvel still does, but I do. I do enjoy the holiday grab bags that they still kind of do those. It's, I think it's cute. 
Yeah, DC still does. They do these these sort of square bound. You know, they yep. used to be called prestige formats. They're not called that anymore. But we're we are all the three of us are old enough to remember what that <laughs> means. Yeah. And you know, they still do those. Yeah. There's like there's always like a Halloween one. There's a you know Christmassy one. There's you know they even do them like right now they have this whole line. There's like an Asian you know writers artists superheroes. There's a Pride Month one coming out. I really enjoy those actually. It's funny. I when I was a kid I thought they were kind of a ripoff because you know you'd get ten stories and two of them were worth a damn, but they they have changed that up because they're asking a big you know big ticket item and you know they're asking a lot of money for it, but I really enjoy them now and I think it's a really neat way to showcase different characters and you know this is sort of the the progenitor of that and also I, I just this is my favorite treasury I love this treasury so much and part of it's because I'm Jewish and it, it's a very Christmassy thing no one loves Christmas like Jews it's uh it's yeah, we really honestly the minute November starts all Jews turn their radio to Christmas music it's weird I don't know why but it's just that you know we just there's not a lot of good Hanukkah music, right? I mean, oi and ve don't rhyme with everything. And so I love the holiday grab bag. This is one of my favorites. And so I, it, it does feel very nostalgic. And the cover itself is great. The cap image is okay, but you're right. Everything else looks like a Cracker Barrel ad. Like it just does not, <laughs> it doesn't work on any level. <laughs> I would, I would have liked, you know what? It's funny you say that, John, because like when I was a kid, uh, I, again, this is back in the days of newsstands, like, and comics were everywhere. They were mm-hmm. everywhere. They were, in, there was a candle store that my parents used to visit that sold those weird Archie Jesus comics and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, and, and when you, once you saw that, you kind of got trained to look everywhere for comics. Yeah. And I can oh, remember, I still do. Yeah. Well, yeah, you seem, you probably come away very disappointed because they're not anywhere oh. anymore. But like, I can remember once in a while, my parents would go to like a Cracker Barrel and like, there were Cracker Barrels in the 70s that had, like, not a newsstand portion, but they had, like, a little rack of, like, yeah. newspapers and printed items, at least, like uh, maps. And I remembered, like, look, kind of just, <laughs> no, no comics. Okay. It, it <laughs> but was, I remember was, looking. Yeah, it was always next to the cigarette machine, which, yes. you know, yeah. <laughs> pulled the handle and the pack dropped out. <laughs> I'm now going to be able to see not, not think Cracker Brown now. So thank you. So, all right, now we're back to America and we get another one of these Marvel ads and there's, it's a mighty Marvel's treasuries. And it's just a big pile of statted up covers uh, from all the different uh, treasuries, Avengers, Howard, the duck, how again, how the grab bag, Savage fists of Kung Fu, fantastic Four, 2001 with the actual cover and some issues of Foom. Uh, did either of you guys have Foom? No, I never found Foom. And I would love to. It's like one of those 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 bucket list convention finds that I, I want to I just I can't find them anywhere. Yeah, I, I've never even seen them out in the wild. It's it's one of those like if I did kind of irregardless of price or condition, yeah, absolutely. I would pick it up. Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, I've never – to my memory, I've never literally seen one at a convention, which is amazing. I mean I'm sure they're available on eBay, but I've, I've bothered to search them out. But, but yeah, Foom, like Amazing World of DC Comics, was a direct-only purchase. So here you go. I mean that makes sense with the treasuries. And again, it's, it's pinpoint marketing in that I'm sure Marvel's figuring – well, look, mostly anybody who's going to send in a coupon to buy the Marvelous Land of Oz treasury – uh, is a collector, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're a collector. That's not just a random person. And so therefore they probably are interested in Foom as well. And that makes a whole lot of sense. You know? I was going to say, you know, if I had whatever the, the amount of money to buy this, just my first choices would be the land of Oz and Foom. <laughs> okay. Did either of you guys, have you guys ever seen any of the Oz treasuries? 
once again, those are another one of those that I would love to see. But if I think I saw one once at a, a comic book store and it was prohibitively priced. Gotcha. Even yeah, I, I saw it when I don't know if you guys remember Scotty Young mm-hmm. did uh, some Wizard of Oz comics, like a whole line of them for Marvel. I mean, probably ten, maybe twelve years ago, and they were gorgeous, of course, because Scotty Young's amazing. And I remember at that point the comic book store I went to had this and it was a wall, you know, kind of comic. And so I got to kind of look at it, but yeah, same thing, Greg, I was like, I'm, uh, you know, I've been, I've been called a friend of Dorothy, but I'm not that big a friend of Dorothy's like, I'm not, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ponying up that much money. I, when I look at an ad like this, that features uh, probably about 20 covers. I just think, man, somebody spent a long afternoon in the stat machine room, just <laughs> statting these things up and cutting them out. I mean, that's just, that's a lot of work. For some of these covers that you can barely see, like the Conan one, uh, or like the giant superhero team ups one, or the Captain America bicentennial, you barely see it, and yet they still took the time to do it. So again, I appreciate there was some hardworking nebbish at the bullpen <laughs> bowling and uh, slapping these things down. I really do, and I always have to wonder, like, how did they decide what gets what top gets billing estate? over other? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Savage Fist of Kung Fu gets a lot, as you said, real estate versus say the Hulk. I wonder why they decided that, you know, it was in the, or it may just been, ah, just post them down and <laughs> I got to wrap this up before lunch. Let's get out of here. <laughs> These are so effective though. Cause I remember, I don't know if you guys remember the 1984 DC annuals ad. Oh where yeah. It, same thing where they had like a bunch, like, you know, blue devil, summer fun and new teen Titans. And, and it's all spread out it's, as if you have all your comics spread out oh, on man. the ground, yeah. you know, snapshot. I was that kid who stared at that ad for just apparently hours and went out and like, could I find every one of them? Could I read? I mean, even like Omega Man, like think books I would never normally buy, right? <laughs> I would still try. And I know you love Omega Man, Rob. I do. I would still track down these books. And those ads were hugely effective because it made you feel like, hey, here's a snapshot of what a comic book collection looks like. I want to go out and get all of those. So I would have been a sucker. I would have bought all of these. Now, in the uh, in the, the coupon portion, there is something there that is not pictured in the ad that I'm curious about. It says you can order for $6, which back then was you could buy a car, uh, <laughs> autographed Superman versus Spider-Man. Oof. What? I never heard of that. I knew that Marvel issued the first Spider-Man treasury in, in an autographed edition. There was limited edition um, 150, 150, maybe 500 of them. Maybe probably 1,500 of them. Uh, you could get autographed by Stan Lee and John Romita. Uh, but I don't recall... Superman or Spider-Man being offered as an autographed edition. So I wonder who autographed them. Is it Jerry Conway and Ross Andrew or something? uh, That was probably the colorist and the inker. (laughs) (laughs) It's autographed. It didn't say by whom. (laughs) The Parasite. Or of Watanabe or something. You know, (laughs) (laughs) one of the, one of the bullpen guys is like, there you go. But yeah, for six bucks, that's a bargain. And and to think that that's just hidden away at almost fine print level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I actually, speaking of that, Greg, this is a good segue. I have a question, Rob, and Greg, too, because you guys both have publishing and, and graphic design in your backgrounds. Is is this handwritten or was this a, a like an early form of font? Because the boxes are all a little different. Sh- I mean, this looks like somebody who had really precise handwriting and they're like, hey, go write this up. Does this look handwritten to you or do you think this was just a, a, a font they use that's a little different? I'll defer to Rob because I can't my, – my gut feeling is that it was probably handwritten, but I – I don't know that. I would – yeah, I don't have any firsthand knowledge, but I would almost guarantee this is handwritten. This is just – Because stuff uh, is crowded. I, some yeah. Stuff's a little darker. They got a letterer. They just got one of their yeah. – you know, the, one of their standard letterers. To hey, you got 15 minutes before the end of the, end of the <laughs> week. And yeah, can you just get this out together? 
Yeah, Poor Tom I mean, Morzikowski. The, they're like, hey, Claremont only had 500-word balloons in this book. Can you take care of this too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean like the boxes aren't uniform. Yeah, exactly. So it, this is probably literally done by uh, – I wonder how many people accidentally ordered the wrong thing because they, they misjudged uh-huh. – Ordered extra copies. <laughs> I wanted Savage Fist of Kung Fu, and I got Marvelous Land of Oz. What? <laughs> They're not interchangeable, Marvel. Like what? The? I ordered the autographs. You remember of Spider Man, and I got Foom. Like I don't. Like, oh my god! So I also love the, the little deal. My comic book shelves are bare. Enclosed find blank for the following tomes. Like <laughs> so continuing the, the the personal touch, even through the you know the the bottom little coupon. It's just Marvel did not miss a trick. So, all right, now we're back uh, to the holiday grab bag, and this thing gets its own treasury. And uh, I don't know, guys, could they maybe fit one more blurb on this ad? I mean, <laughs> they could put something over the cover itself, but even the cover's got a blurb in it. I mean, the deluxe edition of Marvel Mightiest Heroes. It and looks like yeah. the, the person in your office who finds animations in PowerPoint for the first time, <laughs> and they, you know, the, the thing comes flying in, and then it sparkles, and there's an arrow, and you're like, we get it. We get it, Barb. Like, I mean, Star you Wipe. Know. You're like, okay. <laughs> this, yeah, there's so much. This definitely, it's like, show me an example of a 70s ad in Marvel Comics. This is it. I mean, it's got just about every version of, of a blurb that you can find. <laughs> there's a banner blurb, an arrow a, burb, uh, you know. there's got a, a horizontal arrow. we got a vertical arrow. By the way, I love that the paste-up of the comic makes this book look, look, look like it's an omnibus. <laughs> <laughs> it totally does. It's a thousand pages for, for a buck fifty. That's a deal. It's great. Yeah, this thing's going to weigh 10 pounds when you get it in the mail. <laughs> it's really, really fun. Way to will, what a way to fill your Christmas stocking or maybe somebody else's. Ooh, the grab thing that was exciting, handful of them. I have to imagine that the thing that was exciting about ordering one of these is it arrived in the mail in brown paper like your dad's mail arrived. You know, so it made you feel like, <laughs> it made you, feel like you were like your dad. <laughs> dad, what'd you get? Nothing. What'd you get? Holiday grab bag. Huh? Yeah, me too. Me too, kid. Yeah, you- oh, wait. Oh, I got yours, dad. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Dad, who drew these? <laughs> Why is that girl naked on a motorcycle? I don't worry about it. It's so, <laughs> so oh god, tomahawk reprints. So, uh, so okay. So now, this next ad does not feature treasury specifically. First of all, the blurb says "Get it on," which is <laughs> winking a little bit at, at its audience. Um, but it doesn't feature treasuries. But what it does feature are Marvel beach towels with treasury covers. It's amazing. Which All right. Is amazing. Well, pop quiz, which one of these towels so you can only buy one? Which one do you buy? Sean? I mean, I'm going cap. It's the it's the Kirby foreshortened cap image, so that would be mine. Greg? Oh, definitely cap. Oh wow, okay. I think um I think if I bought if I had them available to me now, I would buy the well, the cap's not a treasury. Uh, that's the only thing. But I Cap's my favorite Marvel character, so I'd probably go with Cap. At a, as a kid, I would have gone for the Hulk. He was like my favorite. Um, I, go ahead. I was going to say, my feeling looking at these towels and knowing the way that they were probably produced, you put them in the wash like once or twice, and half the, the image is already gone. Well, I can I can tell you uh, from experience because I have one of these. Oh, so oh. These, these things, first of all, these things are, you cannot find them. You cannot find them. They, if you go to eBay, try and search Spider-Man beach towel, you will see 4,000 Spider-Man beach towels, and it will not be this one because there's no way to, like, delineate 70s vintage treasure. Like, it just, you cannot find them. So these things, Marvel must not have sold uh, these very well. And they're curious in that 
they featured the covers of the treasuries with all of the trade dress. Yeah, that is which weird. Which is with the price tag and the blurbs. Like, that's very unusual. Normally, Marvel would just take, like, the image. Mm-hmm. But they literally just took the covers. And even for, like, the Thor one, which is not a particularly, like, prominent Thor image of him fighting, like, a troll. Uh, it, they're very curious choices. Uh, but I have a Spider-Man beach towel thanks to the generosity of Keith G. Baker, who oh, um, I mentioned, I don't, I must have been an older episode of Treasury Guest, and he sent me the Spider Man beach towel, and I have it, and I'm afraid to wash it for that very reason. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I don't too, want all yeah. the colors to fade off. <laughs> I wouldn't wash it. It, yeah. w- it would be like the, the Constitution or something in my house. It would yeah, I've never used it. Yeah. I've never brought it to a beach because I don't want to get it dirty. So I would imagine that's probably the reason why you can't find them. They just didn't survive. Yeah, I mean, I also don't. I don't want to use it because it's probably got some horrible 70s attached to it, like Legionnaire's disease or something like that. I don't want that. But it, it is a beloved item because it's like, it's just so strange. It's, it's really amazing. Weird. I mean, it'd be a Marvel towels now with asbestos, you know, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but oh, I do with, love, uh, with lead paint on it as well. <laughs> the, the copy at the bottom that was awesome. Cause they're like attention, 97 pound weaklings, weaklings, <laughs> you know, these towels won't prevent the beach bully from kicking sand in your face, but you look great when he does it. And it's like, wow. Oh my God. <laughs> well, it's an acknowledgement that you're probably making yourself a target. With your yeah. Mom. You know, you're odd. They know their audience. Yeah. Also, by the way, I don't mean to get off this, but the T-shirts they're offering for sale are baffling. Uh, the Marvel, there's the Spider-Man, Hulk, and Cap doing the fife and drum bit. That's very 70s and bicentennial. I get it. But Marvel double feature yeah. a reprint title on a T-shirt? Hey, Rob, do you forget? Kids love the Super Adaptoid. <laughs> <laughs> and the star of the the, the Hostess Twinkie act. That, Captain yes. Marvel, and then and yeah, and a Captain Marvel cover, like really? Yeah, I, you know, I, not to knock them, but they just seem like curious. Choices. That almost feels like a thumb in the nose at DC. Like, yeah, you you might have Shazam, but we got Captain Marvel. It's got to be something like that because I mean, his his tagline was "World's boringest hero." Like, there's no way <laughs> they were selling this on the back of his book. I mean, there's just no way. <laughs> I had the T-shirt with the uh, death of Captain Marvel graphic novel cover on it, and that was I was very popular in high school. <laughs> I would wear that. So, <laughs> and, and then also, you know, uh, you know, this encourages you to steal your parents' credit card number and, and mail it in. I did not need any co- uh, coaching for that. I, I did. So, <laughs> by the way, speaking of the bicentennial, I had a uh, a um, T-shirt when I was a child. I have a photo of me uh, at the mountains. Actually, it's a, it's a mountain photo, not a mountain comic. But it's a mountain <laughs> photo, and I'm wearing a Captain America T-shirt, and it's him standing in front of the Constitution. Uh, I know that there was a period a couple of years ago where we got rid of that in America, but we I think we kind of have it now back again, which is great. Um, I would love. <laughs> To find that T-shirt, uh, just to have it again. Uh, but again, you, you can't find it because now there's so much Marvel merchandise yeah. mm-hmm. that you can't you can't wade through it all. And in the, in the you know, if I look for it in the '80s, well, there wasn't the internet in the '80s, but if there had been, you could and you typed in Captain America T-shirt, you probably would have found like four shirts. That was it. That was all that existed. But now. There's 40 million Captain America t-shirts, so I'm never going to find it again. But, man, I'd love to own it again. It was just him standing in front of the, the initial part of the Constitution. It was great. 
Well, the cool thing is if, if you you know go on eBay and you put in Captain America T-shirt, it's going to ask you which Captain America. I mean, like we're just, you <laughs> know, we're, too, we're, just, yeah. we're spoiled rotten, right? It's, it's yeah, I just yeah. I love to think that in ten years there's going to be three guys who are fifteen years younger than us doing this exact episode for those Marvel shirts <laughs> when the Image books launched. So remember they had like the Punisher one by you know Eric Larson and the Wolverine one by Jim Lee and the cover of X Men one. Like like it's just you know it's it's great that Marvel. Continued this same modus operandi just generation after generation. Yeah. Oh man. So uh, next up, uh, this is a fairly sparse, uh, sparse, excuse me, ad. Marvel Treasure Editions back issues. You asked for them, you got them. Uh, and there's basically, as we're talking about like Battlestar Galactic, they're clearly trying to get rid of some back stock here. <laughs> and you've got Spider-Man, FF, Hulk, Conan, Thor, and the Marvel Holiday Grab Bag making yet another appearance. They must have had a lot of those lying around. They really tried to promote this. Um, it, you know, I've said this on the show many times. Marvel was so much more democratic about its treasury editions. Mm-hmm. DC, with DC was like Superman, Batman, Shazam, and Rudolph. That's it. That's all you're getting. Kids. <laughs> and the Bible. Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Tom Hawk. And Marvel though was so much like, no, 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 we're going to do all of our bit. How are the ducks going to get one? Thor's going to get one. The Avengers. Uh, it, they were just, they clearly were much more like, let's give all of our characters the, the, the uh, treasury treatment. And you can see that here, that the first four or five treasuries are all of like Marvel's big marquee characters. And yet, this is definitely of its time because there's not a single X-Men one. No. People of a certain age, again, vintage, don't – like, they're, why was there no X-Men merch in the 70s? Like, yeah, because X-Men was not popular, which is like – that doesn't make any sense to anybody. Even still, you would have – it was popular enough that they were re, – they didn't – the title wasn't dead. They were doing reprints. You could right. have easily thrown the Neil Adams into a Treasury edition. Oh, oh, oh the Havoc. Yeah, the – Oh, that would have been I mean I would have bought that in a second. Oh, I, I do think it's interesting though that these are all marked up because they're back issues. I mean, mm. This maybe was one of the first time there was an acknowledgement that you would pay more for something that was no longer on the racks. And I, mean, I do wonder – It didn't occur to me, yeah. Well, and I wonder for each of you, because I know how mine would have, if your parents had seen this ad, if you were like, hey, you know, mom and dad, I want you to order, you know, Spider-Man for me. And they zoom in and go, wait, it says it's a buck fifty, but I have to pay three dollars. <laughs> like, I still remember the, my dad, the first time he took me to a comic book store, I wanted a, an issue of a comic. And he goes, oh, it's 75 cents. And I go, no, it's two dollars, dad. He goes, no, it says. And he like, he like argued with the guy behind the counter. <laughs> and, and so I, I just wonder, like, would your parents have ordered this or would they have been like, this is a scam? <laughs> My dad bought me treasuries pretty regularly when we would uh, go to his office on the weekends when he had to occasionally work on a Saturday. So he obviously could look at it and say, well, yeah, it's more, but it's like 100 pages, and it kept him quiet. Yeah, so that's, he would able to do it. But, but like I said, I never sent in for these, so maybe that was like a bridge too far. I was going to like spend two bucks and Greg leave you alone for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it works today. You know, I think fiancés do the same thing. Here, here, why iPads were were invented actually? Because you know, as as a parent of a young kid, it's like, here you go, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, now we've got uh, two. We got well, basically three ads all in a row. I want to talk about, and they're all promoting the same book, the first ever Marvel Treasury, the spectacular Spider-Man number one, the greatest, grandest, most gigantic comic book of all time. I think Marvel's forgetting Whammo. Thank you very much, (laughs) but okay, giant size, ten by fourteen. I mean, man, this first ad especially, there is not an inch of empty covers of uh, ad space. I mean, this thing is packed to – it's like Steve Skeets wrote this ad. It is just <laughs> it, it, unbelievable, and it really does make the book – it makes you look like you have to own this. You have oh. to. You'll oh, be, yeah. be stupid if you don't get this. I mean, giant size. It's Stan Lee. 
and the and the, and the other guys who happen to work on it too, <laughs> who only get their last names. <laughs> and and then you can even even get an an autographed one too. So yeah. that is really cool. I mean, I have to say that whole idea of like if you're if you order early, you know, a, a limited number will be signed and. And, you know, by the, the authors themselves, that's really cool. And especially because you can't prove. So, like, if they never actually bothered to do it, there's no coming back to them because they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we did the first couple. They went somewhere. You know, this, it, so there's <laughs> no proving it. Dinner didn't happen. No, no sorry, kid. You're 1,005. Sorry. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> that would have been me. They're doing a great job selling this book because I'm an adult. I've navigated the internet. You know, I mean, this is just like pop-up ads, you know, like, it, it, like crazy. It's what it's reminding me of. But I'm still – Looking at this, going like, yeah, I, I might, I might track this down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, man. part of me is like, there's no expiration date on it. What happens if I mail it? <laughs> <laughs> I mailed a dollar fifty, and here you go, everybody. Uh, so then you've got the next one, the same book. Summertime is Spider-Man time, which is I agree, uh, and it's got even more blurbs. It's got the little spider, like the little thumbprint kind of thing that he did, which I always like. A hundred double-sized pages, and again, gets all the, the names: Stan Lee, Romita, Ditko, Andrew Kane. Sam McCurvey, Lieber. It's so exciting. Uh, I love, again, making these like tying these into summer. It's just so perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, it's warm and you're, you're running around, you're not in school and I can go buy my giant size Spider-Man comic. It's just perfect. Yeah. I love it. I, I think it's, it's an interesting play on nostalgia for something that's rather recent, you know, like, yeah, it's almost, like, yeah. like they're almost generating their own nostalgia, but they're smart too. They're, they're doing what movies do, right? It's a tent pole. It's a summer. It's, you know, and, and pretty soon. And, and actually, you know, you guys might be able to speak to this better than I can, but I know annuals existed at this point, but the summer annual for like every book wasn't a thing yet. Right. That was kind no, of an early eighties. No, yeah. So but, even that idea of stealing that from the movies of like one of the things that's special about the summer is annuals. I think this is maybe a precursor to that. This is also kind of in the era of the 100 page giants as well. So this is a nice bit of getting a little bit of comic book history that you might knowing that you're going to get a story that you you would never have thought you would be able to get. Yeah, you, oh, you know where you did see these often secondhand, but I, I, I would see them were Scholastic book fairs when oh, I was a kid. I did. I think I got a, I got a Superman. I think I was the only kid in my second or third grade class who ordered a Superman Treasury. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was sweet. a cool way to go. Oh man, I never saw a Treasury of this cool. I got the, the paperbacks. Those they had, but they didn't see the treasuries. I would have gone nuts if they had those. Uh, so then now, uh, you know, Marvel, and again, I'm missing a trick. There's a half-page ad. Summertime is Spider-Man time. And it's all just text with the cover. But, I mean, again, they were trying to move these books. Or not trying to move. They were trying to promote this particular book before it came out. And, you know, again, it's 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 the design is not much there. It's really just all text with an arrow in the cover. But still, it's it makes it look exciting. And, it can, again, with the bright yellow, uh, it's Marvel UK kind of coloring. It really catches your eye. And once it does, again, it does a good job. As Sean mentioned before, that this is highlighting the, the creative teams. I mean, sure, Stan gets the, 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 the top billing, but you know, you may have heard of Ditko because I think Ross Andrew was the artist at the time, but you may have heard about Andrew, uh, Ditko or Romita. And this was definitely the opportunity to, to experience something you wouldn't have necessarily been able to find. They missed the chance, though, to say, did you love Mr. A? <laughs> then come check out his early work. <laughs> Do you like objectivism, kids? You know you don't. Try out Spider-Man. Yeah, no, you really don't. Uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. Um, so uh, now we've got an ad for Marvel's second treasury, the Fabulous Fantastic Four. And you can see that it's basically the Spider-Man ad with different blurbs 
written in, but there's nothing wrong with it because it's still a really great ad. And it's, and here Jack Kirby gets full billing, which is nice, Stanley and Jack Kirby. And it talks about Dr. Doom, the Submariner, Galactus, Silver Surfer, and the Impossible Man, which again, every kid loves. Uh, and then the, there's a, a second ad where it's another half page ad, basically all the same text. Again, making this book like it is a thousand pages, thanks to the, uh, <laughs> the, the paste up there. But again, Marvel's graphic designers had to be nimble like this. You had to be able to cram all of this information in a full page and then somehow find a way to trim it down and get to the bare bones and get to the meat of it in a half page. It's, it's, it's a real skill for a graphic designer to be able to do this and make this look legible, um, pretty, catches your eye, and makes you want to buy the book. Well, I love the personality of it because it even says in that half page one, it says, here's what you'll get for a few paltry shekels, Marvelettes. And I'm like, hey, the comics have never lost their Jewish roots. I like that. But it's also just fun. I mean, it's, it's Marvel didn't take itself super seriously. It, it still felt like a mom and pop business back then. You know, it still felt very, I mean, even if you think about it, you know, Spider-Man, the first treasury comes out. Spider-Man's only, what, 15 years old by that point? Or maybe 16? I mean, that, like, that, I just try to think what the, the modern equivalent with that would be. Like, that's how long the Kardashians have been in our lives. Like, you know, it's the weird uh, – yeah, I know. It's a weird – You had example. to make it awkward, didn't you? <laughs> it's a weird example. <laughs> um, I, well, I could have said both, like, six sticky substances, but I didn't go there. So I don't uh, – I just think that it's the, it's the same amount of time. Like, 15 years now doesn't feel very long. And I think about, like – they're codifying and celebrating this character and, and like the legend of Spider-Man and the legend of Fantastic Four. And you're like, well, they, they've only been around, you know, not super long at this point. But I think it's the, the thing Marvel's always done that's really smart is it's it's its own nostalgia machine. You know, it's always oh, crafted totally, its own yeah. nostalgia for things that aren't even that old, which is smart. And it worked because, you know, I'm a junkie for it. So, <laughs> yeah, they're writing they're writing of Spider-Man like he is Superman. Exactly. That level. Yep. Yeah. And it, of course, it ended up working. Uh, you know, I mean, it, they, it paid off. Uh, so then we've got these uh, Thor ads. And I love that this one's written in Thor's language. Thou hast demanded it, and thy wish hath been fulfilled. Which is <laughs> fantastic. Um, a tour of Asgard. Ooh, that's exciting. A pinup family <laughs> portrait. Uh, and then they, they on sale now where a magazine displayed. So be it. Again, they just, again, they don't miss a trick. No, it makes it sound like important. You have to get it. It's like, like a movie trailer in itself. It just, with the, with every bubble and banner and, and box screaming at you that you have to get this. Yeah. Well, I love the Thor versus Hercules that that's called out too. Cause that actually is one of my favorite ongoing sort of battles. You know, the Hulk thing, Hulk, you know, Thor, Hercules. I love those fights and I have a lot of those issues, you know, that I've sought those out specifically. So I do like that they're sort of creating that, you know, they're they're emphasizing that piece as well because that's a fun, very physical fight. And yeah, it's, it's look, it's more interesting. The, the ad copy is more interesting than the Thor book was by any stretch at that time. <laughs> and so I think it's great. It's well done. I find it curious that in the uh, the the the, uh, balloon, the, uh, the coupons, because uh, this one, this Marvel one, the, the store one has a coupon. It asks your age. Why? Why? Why do you need to know that? Why can't I? Can I just buy the book? Well, I'm 37. What's the difference? I mean, I buy the <laughs> Maybe it's just you know an early sort of marketing. You know, trying to. I, I assume data. so. Yeah, yeah average reader age. age. Maybe you're getting if you if a certain age you're going to get Asgard after dark. <laughs> oh no, no. Well, the, the pinup is funny because I'm like, you know, what kid doesn't want Frisia on his wall? Like, you know, like it's such a weird, it's such a weird thing to have in there. Like, you know, I just it's a strange, you know, 
thing to, to, to put in there. But yeah, it's probably just early marketing, you know? Yeah, maybe so. They're trying to figure out what age of the people that are buying these treasures. Yeah. Uh, and then the half page one is clearly, I think, sort of thrown together because oh, it's yeah. a stock art picture of Thor holding his hammer upside down, which just looks weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it just says Mighty Marvel Strikes Again. First, the Sucker Spider Man. Next, the Fabulous Fantastic Four. Now, the power packed Prince of Asgard. Lashes out his own king size special with pardonable pride. Your fatty bullpen presents the latest and possibly greatest of its double sized treasure editions on sale soon. And it doesn't even show the Marvel treasury cover, it just says Thor as he's walking on it. So, <laughs> they, no offense to this graphic designer, but they clearly had like about 15 minutes to throw this one together. It's like, like they were going to press and like, oh crap, we've got like a quarter page left. <laughs> we, can you, can we feel it? Somebody spilled his coffee on the foom ad, put something new in there. <laughs> I like to think, though, that the bullpen had giant, like, enunciation dictionaries. <laughs> They're like, all right, what's another P word? What's another P word? I just, it's so, I mean, it's so great how they come up with these. And look, it was vocabulary building because, you know, I think all of us, you know, have words we know because of, you know, tome and, you know, words we know from comics. Shekel. I didn't know what a shekel was. That's a shekel. I didn't know what that is. So, um, so now next up, there is an ad for Doctor Strange. And man, again, another copy heavy ad. I mean, I'm so impressed as a graphic designer that you could fit all of this in and make it look anything close to legible. It's just impressive. And the great job on the letterer for getting all that in. And again, I love the art, the art, the artists get full shout outs. Ditko, yeah. Colin, Brunner, Everett, Severin and Adkins, along with like the villains and stuff. That's, it's just great. I remember seeing this one and this, as much as I, I did want to get the other, other treasury editions, this ad for whatever reason, and when I was like young, much, much younger, and maybe only read like one or two Doctor Strange ads, really wanted this treasury. Well, and even the pink bubble lettering, like how cool is that? Like the, you know, the nightmare and Baron Mordo, and, and it makes you feel like you know who these people are, right? Like, I, like if you're a kid, you don't know who Baron Mordo is unless you've happened to pick up that issue of Doctor Strange, but it makes them sound equivalently important as Dr. Doom and the Kingpin. And so it's just a smart, it's such a smart marketing strategy. Like you said, to, it, it kind of lets you in on the in crowd, right? Like you're in on the, on the insider or on the jokes, the inside baseball stuff before you even read the book. And then when you see Baron Mordo, you're like, Oh, there he is. Cause they've sort of primed you for it. It's just, it's, it's as much as this is sort of ad hoc mom and pop in a way, it's also, I mean, marketing 101 before we had laid down these rules. I mean, it's really, I would love to see a madman show about Stan Lee. I mean, you know, <laughs> oh how, my God. Yeah, yeah. How great would, I'm not joking. Oh like, my God. That would, would be that the be? best TV show ever. Because Absolutely. he is, I mean, he is, you know, the great promoter. I mean, you know, PT Barnum, Madonna, Stan Lee, like there are some people who, who are just their promotional abilities are so outlie everything else they do. I would love to see a show like that. Mark Marin is Stan Lee. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, that would that oh, that's a show I need to have in my life now. Me too. John, that's amazing. So, uh, and now there's a ad for Howard the Duck Treasury, and this is the one of the few ads I can think about where they are acknowledging that the Marvel, the Howard the Duck comic, was basically a sold out. Like it was a, became a collector's oh. item, and he says, "If you miss this." Then let nothing prevent you from getting this. And it's a really, again, a wonderful sales technique saying, you probably missed this first comic thanks to those damn collectors. So here, we're reprinting it in the treasury. Very smart. Yeah, it is. Probably the smartest of all the collections in that regard that it's capitalizing on the the popularity of the character. In a way, not only are you getting that first issue, but you're getting some of the earlier issues in the 
<laughs> you get the giant size man thing story. Hell cow. Space turnip. It's very exciting. <laughs> and it's just it's so awesomely absurdist. The the whole Howard the Duck thing is, and it was so over the heads of kids. Because I read these now and I'm like, oh Gerber, like again, cocaine is a hell of a drug. I was like, Gerber just what are you doing, man? There's no way kids get half these jokes, but they're still amazing. It's still a great thing to read. I, I do have a question, and I'm not being prurient. I, I actually do wonder this. The whole uh, uh, controversy about Howard the Duck in bed with – what's her name? Beverly? Bev. Bev. Uh, with Bev. Remember there's like a redrawing of it, but in a way they almost make it more <laughs> – like, there's more of an innuendo in the redraw where they they get in trouble. Was that in the, the comic or was that in like the Howard the Duck magazine or like I, I don't where what do you guys remember where that was? I, I think, think it was in the magazine. Yeah, I think it was in the magazine. Okay. It might I not wonder, even been by Gerber either. Oh that's true. That's true. I wonder if those those showed up in these treasuries though. I you know I, I think about that. It was certainly not in the comic strip that they had, the Howard the Duck comic <laughs> strip that was very briefly running. Uh but yeah, oh yeah. Oof. They they Howard the Duck boy man he burned brightly. Very yes. briefly, but man, he was huge for a while. I mean, look, I mean, look at that. I mean, you've got the, the, the treasuries are Spider-Man, Hulk, Conan, Thor, the Captain America, the marquee characters, and then Howard the Duck. That's how big <laughs> Howard the Duck was. He got his own treasury at number 12. 12 issues into the DC run, Aquaman hadn't had his own treasury. Wonder, Wo- Wonder Woman never got her own treasury. Howard the Duck got one, though. I do want to cross promote here, Rob. If you ever do, or if you if you haven't yet done Howard the Duck and Film and Water, Greg needs to be your guest because he is the I think maybe the biggest fan of that movie on the planet. I'm one of them, but yeah, I saw it opening night and loved it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you've made it awkward, Sean. Uh, so uh, I saw that movie in the theater too. I did. I have to admit. Um, so okay, now we're moving forward in time up into the early '80s, where we've got not one, not two, but three ads. For Superman and Spider-Man, Marvel Treasury number 28, two heroes, two legends together. And you've got Dr. Doom and the Parasite uh, kind of commingling with each other, talking about their plans as they're looking at the cover, although this is the drawn version of the cover, not the painted version. I like that uh, you've got uh, Doom and Parasite, and it's Parasite. This is uh, they'll never survive what we have planned for them, Dr. Doom. What do you mean, we, Parasite? So even Doom's <laughs> even a dick even in the ads. Just can't help us. Oh, this one. Well, I have to say, first off, this is like my favorite Marvel DC crossover anyway. And it, it definitely a definitely feels like a Marvel ad, too, even though it's got DC elements on it. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was a Marvel production. So Absolutely. Marvel's doing the ads, yeah. And, 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 and I think even during this time, there was that rumor that maybe DC was going to license out their characters to Marvel. And this – because the sales were so bad – and and this just gives you a hint of what might have yeah. happened in that parallel universe when yep. if 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 you know if Jim Shooter had gotten a hold of these characters. I love the second one, the the sort of MC Escher, the where the the hand you know, painting, Coming into the, painting the cover. Yeah, yeah, painting the cover. I think it's really cool. It also reminds me of like the Brave and the Bold Sergeant Rock issue, you know, where the it's you know uh, Jim Aparo's drawing it on the cover, and he's you know if you finish that drawing, they'll die. I <laughs> love when or the Animal Man Five, you know, with the the painting of the issue. I love when comics do stuff like this when they remind you that they're a creation. I think it's really cool, and I you know I just thought that was such a neat way to emphasize that like this is a big deal. Like it's such a big deal that. They were even treating it like an art piece. Like the cover is a piece of art, and, and we're acknowledging what a massive event this is that these two great heroes. Again, Spider-Man's only been around 15 years. If I'm Superman, I'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 
you're guest starring with me, buddy, not the other way around. Uh, but it's still, it's such a cool idea for a cover. And I love it. I love looking back at these ads because you can see the seeds of a, of a much more sophisticated comic book industry to come, like a much more sort of self-referential and understanding and, and the, the kind of, of stories we demand now, the variety of them and the sophistication of them. You can see it all happening here, and I think it's really cool. I, that, that second one for me is the one I, I want on my wall. And you can see, like, look how much the text has been pared down. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, in the 70s ads are just chock a block with text. And here, that one the, the you're talking about, uh, Sean, I mean, there's virtually no text on it at all, except the very bottom. It's just like the logos. That's it. That's all you need to know. Superman, well, Spider-Man, we're done. Well, it's also building the anticipation. It's like almost ready. Like, mm-hmm. Exactly. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah, and that like hand a, couldn't be easy to draw, right? I mean, that's aren't is it hands, horses? What are the hand, yeah? Things? Hands are really hard. Yeah, yeah. It's a very old looking hand too. It's I thought that funny. too. It's I was very... like, John Buscema's not that yeah. old. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like, like Scrooge or something. It like, <laughs> really does. Yeah, Bob Cratchit. You know, he's working away on Christmas Eve or something. Working with Jim Shearer laid you. Oh, oh my yeah, God. there you go. Uh, and then there's the third ad, which I think is drawn by M. Milgram. Those body poses look like Milgram to me. Uh, or maybe, and his faces look a little milgrimy to me. I, I'm not claiming to be an expert, but I'm betting that's what it is because he was on staff. And this is obviously more traditional because it's got all the heads and here's Hulk and Wonder Woman and Parasite and Doctor Doom and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I mean, he gets in Marvel really, again, they were three different, three wholly original ads pushing this book. They were, they wanted you to know this was coming out. And then adds in the extra little bit, letting you know that, yeah, sure, you're going to get your Superman and Spider-Man, but you're also going to get Wonder Woman and Hulk in there, too, which I don't think we've, up until this ad, you didn't even know that that was even a possibility. No, they don't mention it. Yeah, in the previous two ads, you're now seeing, oh, this is a big universe crossover. So, yeah, Marvel Marvel really was betting big on this, their last Treasury edition, Marvel number 28. Um, so now we have another one of those multi-covers where it's just a bunch of statted images. We see that, uh, now that you've pointed out, I can't unsee it, Sean, that the prices have gone up. Yeah. Uh, the, they're all $2 or $2.50. Uh, the, uh, the Chavez fish of Kung Fu is $3. So, okay then. Uh, <laughs> and then, then they jam in this one little thing, plus an up-to-date checklist of Spider-Man with pictures and stories. Also available Conan FF Avengers. I don't know what those are. I don't know what those books are. Maybe like the things that used to be in the back of Who's Who, where it's like, you know, up next they're appearing here, or maybe a, an appearance list, that kind of thing. That would have been really hard to track down, you know? I mean, now it's easy, obviously, with technology. But, like, if you were a completist, if you were an early completist, that would be something really interesting. I guess so. I just, I've never seen those anywhere. I don't, I don't even know what they are. Uh, like, what, like, were they made just for the selling, the, you know, the direct sales like this? It's, yeah, a little strange. The great thing, too, is to look at this ad and ask who has had a movie. <laughs> Which I mean is just astounding. Everybody at this I mean, point, I was going to say, who hasn't? It's, yeah, it's astounding. Yeah, I mean, it's not not saying chi yet, but the, give it a month or two, and you'll be able to say it. But yeah, that's everybody here. Everybody mm-hmm. here has had a movie. It's uh, it's unreal. <laughs> it's unreal. Um, so then there's a half page ad where again Marvel is selling you some fooms. And some treasuries, and I, th- you could tell at this point Marvel was kind of scaling back the um, one, you know, each treasury gets its own ad. Because now they're just sort of saying, oh, and here's our two newest treasuries, Spidey and Conan. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, they're, they're not quite as special at this point. Now I want to know what's in Foom number, is that number one or number two? Because why, well, why, oh, why is that one more expensive? 
It's the hmm. first appearance of uh, a Fu Man or something. <laughs> Fu Manchu. Uh, it's uh, definitely, you know, I, I like the, it's funny because the text at the bottom in the yellow reminds me of the Mile High Comics ads that would be not too long from now that would split your comics, you know, the two page yellow. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if Mile High, you know, sort of took it from this or if, you know, maybe Mile High was already emerging or something, but it's it the same is font and everything, yeah. Oh, it is. It's totally, I mean, I can't, I have such a primal trigger to that because even though I never ordered because I was really young, I still would scour because, you know, the more expensive a book was, oh, that must be a really important issue. Like, that's how I learned that X Men 137 must have been an important issue, you know, and, and it's, you know, I, I, I always really liked those ads. I thought they were interesting. And then now as artifacts, they're interesting to go back and see, you know, these books that were $25, half of them you can find in the dollar bins now, you know, it's your polybagged X-Force One. And so it is interesting to to see that. But yeah, that's the Mile High comic. That's pretty interesting. You know, I, I wonder if they just took that from them. I was going to say that I don't know where I'm supposed to order this from. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no coupon. Yeah, I don't know. Just throw your money out the window and hopefully the books will arrive somehow. <laughs> Salvador Dali kind of thing. Uh, so next up, uh, we have uh, and again the real. This ad is really promoting the Marvel pads, writing pads, and then at the bottom, it's like, oh, by the way, you can also get this Hulk treasury, a Star Wars treasury, or a Close Encounters treasury. Marvel in no way was uh, overloaded with Star Wars treasuries. They couldn't. They couldn't keep those suckers in stock. <laughs> I never saw these Marvel pads anywhere for sale. But boy, as a kid, hell, as a grown man, supposedly. I would have killed for these things. They're so Absolute. gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Oh, merchandising. Lovely. Yeah. I would do all my professional communication on these. <laughs> yeah. I would unapologetically. I totally would. Everything I would just, you know, resumes, cover letters, everything would be on the <laughs> Well, which one do you get? Do one with Spider-Man on the top or the Spider-Man on the bottom? Well, one's got the vision. So that's the one I'm going for. Oh, man. It's a tough call because I like the full body shots. But the ones with the head, you're getting more characters, you know? Hellcat. I, I mean, yeah, I, I think I'd go for the heads just because you're just getting more. I mean, you got Namor on there. Howard the Duck is on there. Nightcrawler. Oh, 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 yeah. As a, you're right, Sean. If I had these now, I would be like, you know, <laughs> dear yeah. doctor. I, here's my, yeah, yeah. I'm know. not even joking. Yeah, I would send it to the IRS. I would everybody. Everybody <laughs> would get one. <laughs> It would get you noticed if you send in a resume that way. That's for damn I think so sure. too. Look, yeah. I'm not even joking. I hire a lot of people. I would full on bring this. Per- <laughs> they could have the worst resume on the planet, and I would be like, I just needed to meet you. <laughs> yeah. Who you you had Luke Cage on your stationery? Exactly. That deserves, an, <laughs> deserves an interview at least. So yeah, they the three little treasuries down at the bottom. Again, and you could see that the treasuries were getting less and less um, ad space. That they're sort of just tucked away on a bigger ad. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, here's some treasuries, too. Again, they're assuming, like Foom, if you're crazy enough to want a Marvel superhero tre- pad, you probably want some treasuries, too. Do you think the Close Encounter one is like those birthday cards that play a song when you open them and it just plays the theme? Because <laughs> I can't separate that movie from the music, and I don't think that it would hit in a text without it. <laughs> they should have done of, that. I'm kind of surprised they didn't put the Beatles on there. I mean, it's listed on there. Yes, it is. The magazine. Yeah, which was not a treasury, unfortunately. They just did it as a Marvel movie. Why didn't that? What wasn't that a treasury? They talk about broad appeal. The Beatles? For Pete's sakes. Where's that? That would have been great. Um, so then there's a half-page ad for the Spectacular Spider-Man. So Marvel wasn't quite done yet giving some def- uh, some love against Spectacular Spider-Man. 
looks like it's about five feet thick as a book. Um, <laughs> and because you demanded it, and there's the and is it the lizard, the Sinister Six, the Molten Man. Yeah, we know kids really would drop two dollars for that. <laughs> Everybody loves that. But again, it's Spider Man. You know, like of all the characters, you're still going to give some some real estate to. It's going to be Spider. I just think it looks. It also points to the sort of evergreen nature of these characters because you could put that cover on an issue of spider-man today and it would make total sense like like as much as there's always that patina of change right from comic books the illusion of it and it's like here's you know we're 40 years past this and yet this could literally be the cover of the next issue of spider-man and everybody would be mm-hmm. like oh cool the sinister six is back yeah oh and it, and it goes against everything the way superhero comics are supposed to work that spider-man has his back to the camera but it works anyway because you know who spider-man is you know it doesn't matter uh, but you're not supposed to do that. Like you very rarely see behind Superman on a cover, but the, you know, it's when it's focusing on the villains uh, who are supposedly getting their own movie, which is the mind reels at that. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a fun little, again, very text heavy. So there's not a lot of room, but uh, it's, it's still you know, pretty sharp looking. Well, I'm looking forward to the 12 part Netflix molten man series. I think it's going to be <laughs> a lot of pathos. <laughs> it's going to be really deep. You, you, you just willed that into being. I know. Yeah, somebody, I know. somebody at Disney Plus was like, all right, let's well, get that. Was Sony with Morbius coming out and two friggin' Venom movies? It's going to happen now. Thank you. <laughs> Probably. Next up is a, uh, visually the most dull ad we've got. This thing looks like a, 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 a form that you'd, uh, send in for, for office supplies. <laughs> uh, for the uh, Spider-Man, for the, excuse me, the Star Wars Treasury Editions. And I think Marvel was like, you know what? We don't need to try. They're no, Star Wars. Yeah. We're, we're, Star these Wars. things are sound like hotcakes. Here they are. Send in the form. We're done. We don't need to dress this up because all, you know you want. All you need is the Star Wars logo and then boom. Yeah. To be fair, the, the, the Star Wars Treasury Editions were my introduction to this whole Star Wars concept. So anything... Any any other format, particularly an adaptation of uh, of the the first movie, feels wrong if it's not in the oversized trim size. Mm-hmm. What is Leia wearing on the cover of issue one? Is it? I, I cannot. Is that anything she wore in the movies? Not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's showing a lot of leg there, which she never did in the movie. Uh, but you know, it's the same way that Luke Skywalker is ripped. <laughs> on that cover, and he's Mark Hamill. No offense, was not ripped. Moisture farming apparently works the abs. Like, yeah, <laughs> so, so, yeah. But yeah, I just love how it's really like. Other than the logo, it's really boring of an ad. But it's Star Wars, so here you go. We don't need to put a lot of work. Uh, now, this is not so much an ad; it is the uh, coupon for a for a uh, subscription ad. But I, I had to include it because apparently you could subscribe to Marvel Treasury Edition. I didn't know that. I didn't know you I, could ever do that. For 12 bucks, you'd get six issues of Marvel Treasury. I would have done I, that if I was a kid. I'm torn because I just know the condition I got my subscription, my regular yeah. standard comics in the 70s and 80s. I would be lucky if, A, it hadn't been read by the the, the mail person <laughs> and the postal carrier and and if the you know it didn't get banged to hell. And yeah. I just imagine some angry postal carrier – just jamming a <laughs> treasury edition, folding it up to get it into this, the regular, the regular uh, mailboxes of the time. When you know there was some like disreputable mailman who was a, a comic book collector who saw these coming in for young kids in the neighborhood and was like, "Thank you, I'm just going to take one of these." Like, hey, sorry, kid, Marvel only sent you one. You know, I just yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to build your collection. <laughs> I do love that with uh, some of the kind of like the uh, Marvel had high hopes for like, 
you could order six issues of Monsters of the Movies, which I don't think lasted six issues. <laughs> Marvel's like, we got we got big hopes for Tales of the Zombie or Deadly Hands of Kung Fu or whatever. But the, yeah, I would have I would have loved to. Have, but you're right, uh, Greg. Uh, the Treasuries would have come mangled like nobody's business. So yeah, it's probably good that you never uh, subscribe to them. Um, so next up is a very unusual ad. Um, it is for a bunch of stuff. Uh, you can order the little uh, Marvel dangly vinyl figures. If you want a Red Skull, everybody, I would be very worried if your child wanted <laughs> yeah. a Red Skull. I was going to say, um, the people who ordered the Red Skull, I hope they're on a list somewhere. <laughs> I, well, I think they are, and the FBI due to some events in January, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there's a price guide. You can order the Empire Strikes Back paperback. There's some treasuries just kind of stuffed down at the bottom. And then there is the most off-model Spider-Man <laughs> ever in Marvel history. And this is drawn. This ad was prepared and drawn by the Joe Kubert School. Uh, Joe Kubert School was, they, they licensed some of these ads off to the Kubert School, and they were drawn by Joe Kubert. And man, that is the roundest head Spider-Man you will ever see. It, it seriously, it looks like Spider-Man, you know, just got stung by a bee. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. It looks like, it's, I mean, it's, it, the Superman's not bad. It actually almost looks like Frank Quietly. Like, it's got that weird Frank mm-hmm. Quietly lip thing. But the Spider-Man, it looks like a plushie. I mean, it is, <laughs> it's incredibly bad. It, it, it's so bad, actually, that it, it just, it looks like an off-brand Spider-Man movie from Japan from, like, 1976. <laughs> it's just. fighting robots. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, they couldn't tell Joe Kubert to redraw it, so this is what you get, you know? But I just, that Spider-Man head just makes me, it looks like a gumball, you know? <laughs> it's it's so bad. Perfectly spheroid, it's great. I get it. It's, uh, oh, man. Did you guys ever go to a Heroes World store? Did they have them when, when you were coming up or, or around? Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Oh, man, you got, they were, they first of all, they were comic book stores in malls, which by then was still pretty special but the door the doorway was um uh cut out in like jagged uh like jagged points like it was a balloon like a um like a like a like a comic balloon oh that oh, wow and, yeah That's i really mean cool. yeah and it was and it was just filled to the brim with comic book stuff and man i love those stories they had one in a local mall here and i went i spent hours and hours and hours in Heroes World. They were they were really fun stores. We didn't the the comic book stores out here. We didn't have that, but ours did come with an overweight middle aged man who smoked and looked at you with disdain, and that was no extra charge. So that was good. <laughs> oh, mine had the stoner working behind the counter, but I would have taken the stoner man. It's the yeah. The other guys were weird. No, that would be super cool. I, I did not. I've never never been to one of those. Oh man, they were great. There must be photos of them somewhere on the internet. But they, they were they were very special places. I, I do have to tell you, Rob. This is the story you would appreciate. I found when I was I think seven or eight. I found a bunch of Mego dolls at a garage sale, and oh. I had no idea what they were. <clears throat> I just they were they were comic book dolls, and I thought it was really cool. And I got like seven of them for fifty cents. Oh. And I, I had them. I thought they were cool. God. I put them up in my room. And then years later, when I found a comic book store, a bo- you know, I wanted comics and I didn't have any money. And so my mom was like, why don't you take some of this other stuff you've got and, I don't know, maybe see if they'll buy it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I took a box of Mego dolls in oh. and I sold them to the comic book store. Now, they were at least a little reputable. Like they did give me – a good amount of store credit. And then they threw an issue of John Burns, Superman number one for free. But yeah, I sold a <laughs> box of Mego dolls for effectively like $15 in store credit. Oh, yeah. That's bad. And you should feel bad. 
I do. Oh, I do. Now I do. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't have Chris Franklin on my shoulder telling me what a mistake that was. All of of us need that. (laughs) I think our show is, our our regular show is just done, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have the month off because of this. So (laughs) there you go. Bring it back. So it's perfect. Yeah. I've told this story uh, in other places and I even wrote an article for back issue about it. uh, And it's a similar story is that one time uh, I was at a, um, there was a, 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 a toy chain called Kitty City. Uh, which was just a you know, giant toy megaplex kind of thing. And this was in 19, uh, this would have been like 82, 83. And they had, uh, I was deep, deep, deep in Star Wars at that point, as every kid was. And they had, Kitty City had a cutout aisle, you know, which was the stuff they were marked, marked super down, down, down to get rid of it. And I remembered, I went into the Kitty City to buy, you know, the Uganot or whatever the hell I was looking for at the time. <laughs> and I'm going to, and you had to go through the cutout aisle. You didn't have to, but you, the cutout aisle was near the front of the store. So often you would go through it to just get to the register. And there was an end cap of all the Fantastic Four Amigo dolls. I mean, oh. an, an end cap, oh. an end cap probably, I mean, I was smaller then. So it seemed bigger at the time, but it was probably 10 pegs high, five pegs wide. <sighs> covered wow. in thing mr fantastic invisible woman human torch marked down to if my memory serves 39 cents holy cow a oh, figure wow. i mean because and you could see the sticker like the sixth sticker you know had been put on it uh-huh. it was like a dollar 99 a dollar 59 a dollar 19 79 cents 59 cents you know they just wanted to move these things and they clearly were stuck with this back stock of Nego dolls and at the time, I remembered pausing and looking at them and thinking about it because I'm like, boy, that's a pretty good price. But no, I really need my power droid. <laughs> so I bought it. And I look back at it now and I'm like, man, I know, you know, it's easy to say 1982 coming across uh, $10 was a big deal. But man, for $10, I could have bought a car mm-hmm. a couple of years <laughs> later with what those things would have been worth. Uh, wow. I could have bought 50 gross of Fantastic <laughs> Four Mico. I could have cornered the market. On Nego <laughs> Fantastic Four dolls, and it would have cost me next to nothing. Oh wow, that's and then to think a few years earlier, I would have found, I found a Green Arrow being sold at a bunch of Green Arrows sold at a Western Auto of all places. Oh my god! <laughs> well, this you know this episode we have one more ad to do, but this has really been a nice therapy session for all of us. <laughs> really, yeah, we should call this Mego Memories. <laughs> I, you know what? We have my, my, I think we just started a new show on the Fire and Water Podcast. <laughs> Your Twitter handle is already already up. <laughs> Registering it right now. I got the email, migomeal at gmail.com. Okay, so the final ad here is a really catch as catch can ad. It's a Hulk, uh, the Hulk suction shooter, as seen in the TV show, and the Captain America (laughs) suction shooter, plus the Marvel Con 76 uh, 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 booklet, the Art of Neil Adams book, and then Superman, Spider Man tucked down at the bottom. And this is really not a great ad. It's really just kind of a grab bag of stuff. The reason I'm, I'm pointing it out and we're ending it with this is that it's really curious to me that Marvel, to my memory, as far as I've ever seen, never did an ad for the Superman, Spider Man book. Now, I know that it was published by DC. It's not a Marvel book, but it was in Marvel's interest to sell a few copies. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's so weird to me that Marvel never did an ad for this huge book. That is weird. I hadn't thought of that before, but now that I think about it, you're right. I, I mean, if they did one, I never saw it. I mean, I've proved a lot of 70s Marvels. I mean, for God's sakes. And yet I can't think of one. So that just seems so strange to me. That And then conversely, DC never did an ad 
for the Superman Spider-Man second book because that was a mm-hmm. Marvel book. Like, guys, if it's still, I mean, they must have had a royalty arrangement worked out. They must have made some extra money. So it seems so strange to me they wouldn't promote a book that their own character is appearing in. It's weirdly spiteful. <laughs> it, I mean, it really is. I do have to say, though, my favorite part of this uh, is the the suction shooters. <laughs> Because I, when I was a little kid, I had a Spider-Man version of that. Like they called them the web shooters, right? Sure, they just of course. Sh- shot yeah. those little darts. And I, I mean, I must have been five, and I have two older sisters, and I was running around the house shooting at them, right? And I was like, "Bam, you're gone, you're." D-. And they were, and they were like, "Ha ha!" They were sweet older sisters, but enough. Like they were done, and they were like, "We're going to take those from you if, if you do that again." And I, of course, did it again. And they took them from me, and I got so mad that I employed a martial arts technique I had learned on the playground. I'm not going to, it's, it's where you twist somebody's breasts <laughs> and, and wow. you know, purple, purple, purple. Yikes. Yeah. Not understanding. Right. And I, I tried to do that to them. And so they sat on me and they force fed me refried beans. <laughs> and to this day, that's why I'm the only Mexican person on the planet who doesn't like refried beans. I, like the, those suction cups. I have such a visceral sense memory of a wooden spoon with refried beans being jammed into my mouth by my older sisters because I kept shooting them with my Spider-Man web suction cups that it's, yeah, it's both awesomely nostalgic and probably 10 years of therapy, but it's, but I, I do like seeing them. Sean, between that and the story of them taking you to Friday the 13th, exactly. every story involving your sisters is some sort of nightmarish Cinderella kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 To, to my credit, I think actually, you know what? It wasn't long. Oh my God! It might have been right around when they took me to see Friday the Thirteenth. So they may be they may be connected events. Wow! This is again. This has really turned into a nice therapy session for all of us. I really appreciate. It. So, yeah, we're kind of ending on a slightly down note because that is just kind of like wah wah. By the way, you can also get Superman versus Spider Man. Kind of a big deal. Uh, personally autographed. Oh, there it is. Personally autographed by Stanley. Stan. So there you go. Stan did. Of course he did. He's Stanley. Yeah. Uh, he Did he do anything with the book? No, not really. But not really. He, he, uh, he signed the contracts and he got some loyalty out of it. But, <laughs> but I mean, man, this is all fun stuff. I mean, the art, you know, yeah. I mean, man, if you had a couple of bucks to spend, you could come away with Superman, Spider-Man, a Hulk suction cup shooter, and an Art of Neil Adams book. That's a, Which fun, is, that's a fun package you get in the mail. And I just found the Art of Neil Adams at a at a at, at a kind of a used store in the mall uh, not too long ago, and they were selling it for 50 bucks. So. Ooh. Yeah, and it wasn't even in great condition, so I, now I kind of wish that I had that $3 option. Yeah, seriously. I remember that cover really enticing me because it's got DC Marvel characters mm-hmm. on it, which you never saw outside of you know the one-off treasury. But that's, you've got that great cover of Superman and Green Arrow, I think it is, uh, squaring off against Captain America and Thor, which is like, oh, man, that's super cool. So yeah, And I, Mighty I, Mouse? Is it? Yeah, I don't know who that character is. That little a, that little yeah. mouse. That's, uh, that's probably somebody pretty- from continuity. Yeah, probably, probably is what it is. But so yeah, so that's uh, that's the Marvel Treasury ads. I mean, again, I said it's not every Marvel Treasury ad, but it's probably the the cream of the crop. Uh, and I I'm always enjoying uh, when I scour an old comic and uh, I find an ad I've never seen before that always makes me happy. And I will say, like you know, that is one of the things that. I understand that when the books are reprinted now, you're not getting the ads because, of course, you're mm-hmm. not. You want the, but I miss the ads. You know, like I wish, mm-hmm. that, I wish, I wish that when Marvel would put out like a '70s collection, they would put at least their own house ads in there. Yeah, um, but I understand why they don't. So I'm these these things to me are just as much fun in their own way as the books themselves. And so, uh, I guys, I mean, I love these things, and I had a complete blast talking oh, this is- with you guys about them. Oh, this is great. And then comic book ads are definitely something that 
interests me. Even when I find an old issue, I like even, you know, I grumble a little bit when I see that one's filled out. But it's an interesting window of the previous owner, what they what they were dreaming about purchasing, but never got around to doing. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. they're just they're just great. And this has been a blast. You know, I, I hadn't I met Greg before, so it's nice to get to know him. <laughs> but uh, this is fun because I do think, and you know, vintage is a nice way to put it. You know, as as I'm getting older as a collector, one of the things I do when I break into a box, one of my boxes with these older issues, is I do look at the ads because it is a it's an interesting historical artifact too, right? It's like, oh, I forgot Mr. T had his own Saturday morning TV show, and you know, <laughs> this is great. And but it's also fun because I like to look at the letters pages, and you know, every once in a while you'll see one of our podcasting community friends names in there and I, I do think there's a there was a package to comics right there was like a it was the comic but it was also the ads and the letters pages and everything about it is you know is, it was what we fell in love with and so i do like I, I do wish that in reprints and trade paperbacks and i know why they don't do it but it would be cool if they did like a old person's edition <laughs> you know <laughs> larger font but also include the letters pages and the ads that would be really nice ads for pharmaceuticals <laughs> yeah there you go yeah uh yeah i mean the marvel ads felt like content yeah they felt like they were part of the book and of course i mean they're not but they felt that way and so that's why it was so special so guys again thank you so much i've been wanting to do the show for almost over a year and uh, it was just a complete blast to talk about this. I hope that everyone enjoys this episode and maybe we can get together another time and do the DC version because those are some great ads there too. So thank you both very much. Uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find each of you on the internet? So Sean, why don't you go first? Uh, sure. So, so Greg and I could both be found on the Pulp to Pixel podcast network. Uh, I co-host, uh, we co-host the never ending reading pile, which is just a big fun romp of nostalgia where we pick a comic book and, and a team or a character and we talk about them. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. I also co-host Secret Wars and Beyond with our buddy, Dr. G, where we talk about every issue of every Marvel superhero Secret Wars comic book. And then I'm the co-host of the Bat Pod with Bill Beer, where we talk about new Batman comic books as they come out each week. So, so yeah, this is a blast, man. I, you know, Rob, we always love getting to record with you. And this was especially fun because this isn't, this isn't a topic we get to talk about much. So this was great. And, and as Sean mentioned, I'm, I can only be found on the never ending reading pile on, on the Pulp to Pixel network, but you can find me on Twitter where I'm, I'm just constantly flooding your timeline with comic book <laughs> ads and, and, and Avengers of the day and other kind of time wasters. <laughs> it's great. Uh, yeah. It, well, yes, I do waste a lot of time on Twitter looking at your post, but it's worth it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really worth it. It's great content. So again, it's, it's therapy. It is therapy, again, much like this episode was. So, uh, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. We want you to stay tuned. I'm going to play some podcast promos, and when I come back, I'm going to do some listener feedback. Hi, I'm John Wilson. And I'm Michael Kaiser. And we're the hosts of the podcast Make Ours Marvel. You know, here we are in 2018, 10 years into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, can you believe we live in a world where everyone's old Aunt Petunia knows who Iron Man is? It's crazy, right? So, to celebrate, we're on our mission to explore the roots of the Marvel Universe. You know you've thought about it. Some of you may have even done it, and now we're going to do it too. We're diving back into the long boxes of Marvel's history and podcasting our way through the whole universe. All of it. Every superhero issue. And, if I can convince Mike, we'll even do Sergeant Fury. And it's not going to be one issue per episode. That'd take forever. <laughs> it's still going to take forever. But no, we're going to talk about as many comics as we can in an hour. Yep, an hour and, you know, maybe a little change. 
every week. Marvel Comics. So it'd be super cool if you came along for the ride. Look for us every Friday at MakeOursMarvel.com. That's MakeOursMarvel.com. Or on iTunes and all the other usual podcasty places. And if you want to read along with us and send us your thoughts, we might even read emails. So until Avengers Infinity War gets a spin-off Warlock in the Infinity Watch TV show, Make Ours Marvel. In late 1984, Marvel's direct sales manager sat in a crowded meeting of comic retailers. Let's be honest, Secret Wars was crap, right? But did it sell? The room exploded with applause. Well, get ready for Secret Wars Series 2. Beginning in 2018, Pulp to Pixel's Marvel superhero Secret Wars and Beyond will do the unthinkable Secret Wars 2. We'll take a detailed look at the event, the tie-ins, the new characters, and we will attempt to answer one of the largest questions in the history of the Marvel Universe. What the heck was Jim Shooter thinking? No, no, seriously, what was Jim Shooter thinking? Well, you can find out at the Pulp to Pixel podcast network, where you can subscribe to all of our amazing shows, or just to Secret Wars and Beyond itself, as it is now in its own omnipotent feed. Secret Wars 2 and Beyond, a Pulp to Pixel podcast production. You'll believe an omnipotent being can use the restroom. And now we're back with listener feedback, and this is the feedback we got on the website, findwaterpodcast.com, for Treasury Cast episode number 57, which was the limited collector's edition adaptation, or not really adaptation, but stories from the Bible with my guest, Steve Givens. So first up is uh, Tom Perrain, who says, I'm not yet a regular listener of Treasury Cast, Tom, but the title of this one caught my eye. I recently acquired a copy of this treasury on eBay and later stumbled upon the hardcover reprint. It was an ambitious undertaking when it was created, and I'm disappointed the series did not continue. I appreciate the respectful way the host discussed these sacred stories and how they were interpreted in the medium. I write about this comic and other biblical adaptations on my blog, tpcomics.blogspot.com. Thanks also for the practical tips. I was today years old when I learned treasuries could be turned on their edge and fit into a long box. Well, you know, aside from the entertaining uh, aspects of the show, we like to, you know, this part uh, to uh, dispense some wisdom every so often, Tom. So uh, thank you for listening. I hope you become a regular listener of Treasury Cast. Captain Entropy says, great discussion. Gents, is this Steve's first podcast? He did so well, I can't tell. I do not have this treasury. My rambling thoughts about it are as follows. One, the art looks amazing. As a kid who already had Bible storybooks, this one never called to me the way Superman versus Wonder Woman did. That said, the ads for it were ubiquitous in DC of a certain era. And as you two pointed out, the depiction of Moses still makes me want to see what's inside. Two, it didn't tell very much of the Bible. I know it was meant to be first issue of a series, but since they didn't follow up, it feels like they should have named it Stories from the First Third of Genesis. If they kept going, they might have built a following. As it is, it's as if you canceled Bob Dylan after covering three songs. Then even Ryan Daly would do that. Ooh, sick burn. Three, the interstitials by Kubert sound fascinating and be worth a significant admission price all by themselves. Four, I didn't like the distortion of the Sodom and Gomorrah story. In general, I don't mind adding material that doesn't contradict the Bible. That happens here in DeMille's Ten Commandments, in Gibson's Passion of the Christ, and pretty much every narrative retelling. But, quote, I can smell the silver in your coin purse is a little more than, is a little more than that. Because the art is so impressive, this treasure seems like a serious treatment as opposed to a VeggieTales cartoon, so I have a higher standard of accuracy. I would rather they skip this particular tale and tell me the one about Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau, etc. Five, I really wish they'd gotten all the way to the story of Joseph in Egypt in the last half of Genesis. That's a favorite, and I'd love to see this team interpreted visually. Six, this is the nerd in me, but I think it's terrific that they cited their research searches on the inside cover. 
Want to learn more, kids? Well, not only can you read the actual Bible, you can read about more in these books from your local library. Uh, agree to all of that, uh, pretty much, uh, Captain, especially the last part. Yeah, I think it makes sense to have a, like a footnote. It gives the whole thing like a sense of like real literature. Uh, Chuck Coletta, who of course has been on this very show, says, as most, a most informative conversation. I would never pick this up as a kid, and your discussion of the stories within this trilogy makes me wish I had. Thank you, Chuck. Our pal, Dr. Ann says, I vividly remember the ads for this one, but I've never seen it ever, even at conventions. So I'm glad you covered this so I could finally know about the insides. Great discussion, too, about everything inside. As you say, Redondo's art is just sumptuous. I'd eat just about anything that Eve put in front of my face. And how odd for the book to end on the back cover. You figure they could have moved one of the lessons from the Bible to the inside cover. Yeah, totally. Surprised by some of the stories picked as others from the uh, OT, uh, Old Testament, of course. David and Goliath, Joshua blowing his horn and bringing down the walls of Jericho. Job and the devil God, that all seemed more suited for comic storytelling. Thanks again. Well, thank you, Ange. Luke Dobbs is great episode, guys. I saw the hardcover edition of this a couple of years back at a half-price bookstore. I was too cash-strapped to pick it up. If I see it again, it's a done deal. Beautiful artwork. I used to work at a publishing company that published Bibles among their product and have seen in a million ways how strategically placed plants, hands, and zebras would be placed in front of Adam and Eve's nakedy bits. We used to laugh about it in the design department, mostly in the manner of how will we cover these up this time? I've seen complete Bible illustrated in the comic book format before, so it was interesting to see DC's approach to the material. I say DC's book leads with the art, while the Bibles, rewritten as a comic book, lead with the text. Meaning the Bible comics are clearly a Bible first and a comic second, whereas this is clearly a comic book first and a Bible second. Actually, not even really pretending to be a Bible. My one criticism of the art would have been to draw would have been truer skin tones and Middle Eastern features on the characters. I'd wager a guess that Eve wasn't a blonde. But hey, I illustrated the Bible for little kids some years back and made her a redhead, so do I really get to criticize? Great job, Steve. You're a great guest host. Fun conversation all around. Yeah, agree to all that, Luke. Uh, Steve did a great job. And by the way, I should mention it. It's in the show notes of every episode. But Luke Dobb did our theme, and it is uh, my favorite theme probably of – well, he's done a lot of great themes for the network. But uh, I really love the theme he did for Treasury Cast, and I love listening to it uh, every time it opens the show. So thank you again, Luke. Chris Franklin from our network says, engaging discussion, gentlemen. Can I confess, Kubert's Moses scared me? That doesn't surprise me, Chris. As you say, you were a weenie when you were a kid. I remember seeing the cover of this book and those great DC ads, and the grizzled old man creeped me out. Definitely not movie idol Charlton Heston. Oddly enough, DC actually printed picture stories from the Bible before EC, or at least all American comics did. MC Gaines was a big proponent of the idea and got it going at DC before National bought out his partnership, and the DC we know was fully formed. He took the title with him to EC for just one issue. I actually own what Mike's Amazing World considers a trade paperback, collecting volume two, one through two, covering the complete life and story of Jesus. It's the reason I dug into the history of this series years ago. One of the first examples of a creator-owned book switching publishers, and he provides the link. I had no idea, Chris. I did not know that DC did it first, and then it was an EC book. I always thought it was just an EC title. Um, I'm sure they listed it in the price guides, which I read back cover to cover at the time, but uh, I guess I forgot it in the midst of time. So thank you for that information. I had no idea. That's, that is really interesting. I can't think of another comic. From that time, that switched publishers like that. That's, a, that's amazing. Edo Boznar says, although I think I probably already mentioned it in the comments, you're elsewhere in the network, I felt duty-bound to let Steve know that I was also a cutter of comics in my earliest days. Man, only a few years later, I shuddered when, recalled, when I recall how many comics I chopped up. Otherwise, though, I very much enjoyed the conversation. Treasure Guest is 57 to 0 in terms of delivering. It's interesting to learn a little more about this book. I have heard of it, but never saw it. 
and I doubt I would have been interested in buying it if I had back in the day. My one oblivious purchase of an Archie Spire comic really made me gun-shy about picking up any comics with overt religious content. However, based on your gallery page, I have to say that the art is stunning. Like others, I now think it's unfortunate that more of these weren't done. Yeah, like I said with Steve, I wouldn't have bought this as a kid. I didn't buy it as a kid. And if they had made a second one, I probably wouldn't have bought that one either. But now I wish they had because this is a, it was a great book and uh, it deserved a, a second go around. Brian Linton says, this sounds great. I'm only sorry the series didn't survive to cover one of my favorite Bible stories, the story of Ehud, uh, Judges 3, 12 to 20. In short, Ehud goes on a mission to assassinate the king of Moab, who is oppressing the people of Israel. The mission's success hinges on the fact that Ehud is left-handed and can sneak his sword of the king's chambers by concealing it on his right thigh where it wouldn't be expected. In addition to all the action and intrigue, the story has some dark comedic elements as well. In particular, the king of Moab is so overweight that Ehud's sword disappears into the king's abdomen, and Ehud is forced to leave it there. Also, when the king's servants return to find the door to his chambers locked, they assume the king is busy relieving himself and wait to, to the point of embarrassment before unlocking the door and finding him dead. All in all, an Old Testament story ripe for a good comic book treatment. Sorry for running on like that, but I don't find many opportunities to shine a spotlight on this little-known Bible story. Thanks for another great episode and for introducing another great guest host of the network. Yeah, Brian, I've never heard of that story. Uh, I've, I've not really read the Bible, and so it doesn't surprise me that I've never heard of it. But boy, that does sound really kind of fascinating and funny and, as you say, darkly comic. That would have been really interesting to see in, in any form. I would love to see if they'd done it in a movie somehow. That sounds great. Martin Gray, who we mentioned in this very episode, says, thanks for a great show and a big welcome to Steve. It's always good to hear a new voice on the network. Agreed. I remember this book being advertised too, but never saw it in the UK. I am shocked, shocked to hear Moses was erroneously on the cover. Rob is spot on with the Tomahawk reference. Again, also mentioned in this episode, action Moses is the marquee character of the Old Testament. It should be there. Wouldn't it have been great if they had had Kubert and Redondo give us a Cain and Abel who did indeed look like the much younger versions of the mystery book characters, Amy Sneaker and Gregory the Gargoyle. Uh, it always seemed to me that the Garden of Eden was ablaze, so much smoke there was cooling or co- coiling around people's bits. Still in the book of Genesis, not the book of Genesis. Nah. The art really is wonderful, and the title treatment excellent. Maybe Gaspar Saladino did them, but there's nothing useful at the Grand Comic Book Database. I did laugh when I saw the description of the Sodom and Gomorrah story as Sodom is full of troublemakers. <laughs> I have a couple of British hardbacks collecting picture stories from the Bible, and I see them on eBay quite cheap. I read them to bits, all apart from the Acts of the Apostles, which looked a bit dull. <laughs> Thank you, Martin. Uh, yeah, uh, it would have been um, kind of fun to see Cain and Abel sneak into the Bible. Maybe they really wanted to kind of take this seriously. So uh, that's all the comments for this episode of uh, – for that episode of Treasury Cast number 57 with my guest Steve Givens. It was great talking to him, and it was a uh, really great episode aside from my uh, my sound problems, which, again, I apologize for because it, it's the only – a down note on a what I thought was a really solid episode of Treasury Cast. So thanks again to uh, Steve. So that's going to do it for this episode of Treasury Cast. Huge thanks to Greg Arujo and Sean Ross for coming by and talking Marvel ads with me. As I mentioned earlier, I wanted to do this show for over basically since the first episode. I always wanted to do a, an ads show, and it was just a blast talking with them. And uh, maybe we'll do a sequel on the DC ads. Who knows? So uh, anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening. Of course, you can find back episodes of the show on our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to Treasury Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. Uh, we're always talking treasuries over on Twitter at Treasury Comics. And finally, if you want to support the Final Water Podcast Network, go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Jeff Pollier 
for his support of Treasure Cast. I really appreciate it, Jeff. So that is going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next month. But until then, go big or go home. If you're looking for adventure this summer, escape with Marvel Comics, fight crime with Spider-Man, meet the Fantastic Four, and watch Captain America in action. May the Force be with you as you battle the evil empire in Star Wars. Discover the secrets of the South American jungle in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And with Marvel Comics, you're never alone because they can go with you in the car or to the park, even on a rainy day. Marvel Comics are your ticket to fun and adventure this summer.